Well, good morning. Certainly a blessing to have Young Jung play for us so beautifully this morning. Give her another hand. <clears throat> Today we are looking at what is my purpose, and I think she found her purpose, right? And so we celebrate that for her. We've been talking over the last couple, three weeks, uh, these difficult questions that people are searching for answers to, some of life's toughest questions. And I want you to know that God is able to handle your questions. God is able to handle your doubts. And he's given us, I believe, the answers to all of our doubts and all of our questions, all of our debates are grounded in what God's word says. Two weeks ago, we tackled the question, is God real? Last week, is the Bible relevant? And today, what's the point, right? What's the point of life? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Will today be just like any other day? Now, we all have questions. We all have things we're searching for. I remember when I was 15, I'd been a Christian for a year, and we were beginning to go and speak in churches around our city in Kentucky. We went down to a small Methodist church called McHale United Methodist Church, and we were going to speak to a youth group. And we had put this elaborate program together so that we could make an impact on the lives of these young people. Now, we were 15 and 16 years old when we went about doing this. So we, we had this idea that if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? And so I walk out, and I'm the lead person, and I say, all right, if you could ask God any question today, what would you ask him? And the first kid raised their hand and said, what gives you the right to speak for God? Yeah, was just like, it was it. It was pretty much over after that, you know, because I had, I had no answer. And, uh, uh, but God can answer our questions. And you, you, may, you may not be struggling with, is God real? Or is the Bible relevant? Or what's the point of life? But I believe there are people in your life. There's people in your neighborhood. There are perhaps people at work who are wrestling with those questions. And perhaps God is going to bring you into their life to help give them some guidance and direction. So as we wrestle with these questions, there's a great scripture I want to read to you from Jeremiah 33, verses 2 and 3. If you would stand for the reading of God's word. This is God's message. The God who made earth, made it livable and lasting, known everywhere as God, called to me, and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. And then from Mark chapter 10, this is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father God, I pray today that as we dig into your word, that you would give us the answers to some of life's hardest questions. Father God, that you would reveal to us either through scripture, through a message, through a song, even in your creation, marvelous, wondrous things that we can never figure out on our own. And Father God, I, that, that you would give me the words to speak that I could never speak on my own, that your words would speak here today both in this room and to the folks watching online. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There was an old missionary couple who had been working their whole career in Africa. 
serving the Lord as missionaries, and they're returning to New York City to retire. They have no, no pension. Their health is broken. They feel defeated. They're becoming discouraged, and they're afraid of how they're going to make it. As the trip begins on their journey back, they discover that they're on the same ship as President Teddy Roosevelt, who's coming back from a big game hunting safari. And no one paid any attention to this missionary couple. They watched all the folks chase after the president's entourage, trying to get a picture, trying to get an autograph. As the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, we've given our whole life in service to God, and there's no one that even knows who we are. This, this, this man, this president, comes back from a hunting trip, and everybody wants to get his autograph. Everybody wants to talk about how important he is. Nobody cares about us. What's the point? And, and the wife, trying to encourage her husband, says, you know, you shouldn't feel that way. God has blessed us, and God has been with us. He said, but I can't help it. It just doesn't feel right. What's the point? So the ship docks in New York. Of course, there's a band there waiting to greet the president. The mayor is there, the governor's there, the press is there, but no one is there to meet and greet the missionary couple. They slip off the ship and they disappear into the crowd, wondering what was the point. See this passage I read to you from Jeremiah, chapter 33, verses 2 and 3, is written while Jeremiah was sitting in a prison cell for speaking the truth about the coming judgment against Israel for the rebellion against God. And, and, and I'm sure Jeremiah's wondering, what's the point? What's the point, uh, point of speaking truth to a culture, to a people that don't want to hear the truth? Now, sometimes I feel that frustration in the world we live in today. What is the point of preaching truth to a world that doesn't want to hear the truth? But then God responds to Jeremiah and God responds to me and God responds to you and says, call to me and I'll tell you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. That God is working, God is speaking, God has a purpose. You see, God always hears our prayers, especially in times of trouble, doubt, and confusion. And he promises to show up and he promises to show us great things. And I believe that if you're listening today and trying to figure out what's the point of my life, discovering the point of your life will begin, always begin, with a personal encounter with the divine designer, the one true God. He will reveal to you what is the point. You see, Jeremiah, always the prophet, is pointing us toward Jesus because Jesus Christ is the answer to all of our questions. You know, Jeremiah is, is giving us insight into what God wants us to know. A couple weeks ago, Chad and Trevor tackled that tough topic, Is God Real? Now, I'm thinking that of the five messages we're doing, they had the hardest one, right? Is God real? Um, great messages they gave. But as I marinated on their messages and thought about what they had preached on and thinking about my message for today, most skeptics, most doubters, even unbelievers believe that Jesus was a good man. They believe that Jesus was a good teacher. 
And if we believe that Jesus is good and Jesus is real, we must believe that he is not a liar, that Jesus, this good man, is not a liar. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And then again, a little bit later in that same chapter, he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus proved that God was real. Because if you saw Jesus and you believed in what he said, then God is real. Because Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh. And I believe before we can answer the question, what is the purpose of my life? What is the point of life? We need to ask and answer the question, what was the point of Jesus' life? Why did Jesus come to the earth? Why did Jesus live 33 years on the planet? And if we can begin to understand why God sent his son into the world, perhaps we can better understand why God put us in the world. So what was the point? I'm going to give you just four quick things. First, I believe the point of Jesus' life was to share the love of God, was to share with the world how much God loves the world. We know this verse, John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to the earth. His purpose was to show the world the love of God. Secondly, Jesus came. His purpose was to seek the lost. For the Son of Man, Luke 19, came to seek and save those who are lost. Now, make no mistake. We live in a world full of people that are lost. And Jesus came to seek, not just seek, but save those who are lost. Thirdly, Jesus came to serve and not be served. He came to serve and not be served. Again, Mark 10, that is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve and not be served. And then finally, most importantly, Jesus came to save the world. He came to save the world, to give his life in exchange for many who are being held hostage by sin. I love these words in John 3, 17. We know John 3, 16. John 3, 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We need to be saved. We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All of us listening today are sinners. And except by the grace of God, we're lost. And when we reach out to Jesus Christ, he saves us from our sins and we have a world that needs to hear that message. It was January 1982. Maybe you saw this back in the day. Air Florida Flight 90 was taking off from the airport in Washington, D.C. and crashed into the Potomac River. Where, where the plane crashed at, there was a bridge nearby. And camera crews set up on the bridge and began to show the recovery efforts in the cold, ice-filled Potomac River. And as a helicopter hovered over the river, it, it lowered down a lifeline to a man that was struggling. And the man grabbed the lifeline, and then he swam to the person next to him, a lady, and gave her the lifeline. And they lifted her up out of the river. So they lowered the lifeline down again to the man. Again, he took the lifeline and swam to someone else and gave them the lifeline, and they too were rescued. It wasn't much longer that the man grew exhausted, and he drowned. Why did this man not save himself? 
because perhaps he knew that part of his purpose was to serve others. Part of his purpose was to save others. And when we look at the cross, read about the cross, remember Jesus hung on the cross and the crowd jeered and says, he can save others, but he cannot save himself. And Jesus did not save himself. Why? Because he came to save you and he came to save me and he came to save the world. Now for me, after 50 years of being a follower of Jesus, those are statements of fact. Those are non-negotiables for me. I believe that Jesus came to save the world. I believe that Jesus came to seek the lost. I believe that Jesus came to serve and not be served. I believe Jesus came to share the love of God. I believe that Jesus came to show us the way to the Father. But statements of fact often begin as statements of faith. And today, if you're questioning your purpose, questioning the point of your life, I would ask you to step out in faith and believe that Jesus had a purpose and that you are a part of his purpose, that he came for you and came for me. So if we know that Jesus came for a reason, what is the point of my life? What is the point of your life? I want to begin by saying that I believe that life is a privilege and not an entitlement. Life is a privilege and not an entitlement. Now, those two words have a lot of emotion around them today, right? The word privilege and the word entitlement. But I want to contrast life as privilege versus life as entitlement. I believe with all my heart that life is a gift from God. Do you agree with that? Life is a gift from God. To be alive, to get up this morning, to be able to attend this worship service, to be watching online, that is a privilege, a holy privilege that God has given you giving you the, the breath that you're breathing. Life is a gift from God. In Genesis 2, we read these words, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. These words from James are on the screen, James 4. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wants us to, if the Lord gives us the privilege, the holy privilege of living tomorrow, then my prayer is that we will do what God wants us to do, not what we want to do, right? Philippians 129 says, Paul says, for you have been given not only the privilege, a privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him, serving him in this world. So I believe there are several privileges that come with being a follower of Jesus. There, there's the privilege of intimacy, that we get to be connected with holy God, that on the, when Jesus on the cross died, it says the veil in the temple was rent in two, which means that you and I have complete access to God. It's a holy privilege. You don't have to come and talk to a pastor or a priest to speak to God. God invites you into his presence. It's a holy privilege to have access to God. One of my favorite verses is Hebrews 4.14. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain help in our time of need. See, access, intimacy with God. Secondly, privilege of inheritance, that because of what Jesus Christ has done, you and I have been adopted into the family of God. That 
we were once were lost, but now we've been found and we're God's children. Somebody say amen to that, right? We're in the family of God, right? We are brothers and sisters in Christ together because of adoption and because of God's inheritance to us. And then there's a the privilege of provision. We prayed a few minutes ago, what? Give us this day our daily bread. God has given us provision. The, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things, all things will be added unto you. Now, not just the things you want, but the things that we need. God will provide for us what we need. The scripture says that Christ, God will supply all your needs according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. So intimacy with God, adoption into the family of God, provision from God, and this is a great privilege here, I believe, as Christians today, is we have the privilege of authority, that God's children are given authority over sin and evil that we can live in this world with confidence because this is my Father's world. Amen? Now, it's not a world that's perfect yet. That's coming. But our God is, 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 is still on the throne. And no matter how crazy it is on the media, no matter how crazy it is in Washington or wherever, God is still on the throne. He hasn't left the throne. God has not left the building. Somebody say amen to that. He's still presiding, and that's a privilege. And we don't live in fear, we live in faith. Not because we're entitled to, but because God loves us and God has a purpose. Now, what is entitlement? Entitlement is that attitude that says we deserve privilege. I deserve this. I deserve special treatment. And we get angry when things don't work out the way we want them to. We begin to have envy or resentment about the blessings others enjoy. We become disappointed with God's timing or apparent lack of action or faithfulness to answer. And I believe one of the reasons that people are leaving the faith today and leaving Christianity because of the, of the sense of entitlement, because God has not answered my prayer the way I want him to answer it. He's not moved like I want him to move. And if God's not going to do what I want him to do, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And we see that sense of entitlement all through our culture you know, life is a privilege. Life is a blessing, and it comes from God. Now, now, you already know this, that sometimes God says no, right? Sometimes God says no. And one day we'll understand why God says no. You know, in, in, in Exodus, we read about the constant grumbling and complaining of God's people. Despite God's deliverance, the people grumble and complain because they are entitled and they begin to resist God. They begin to resent God. When God says no, we can resist. We can begin to resent God or we can relax in God's goodness. Can you relax in God's goodness when God says no? You know, Harper Grace and I were over in the contemporary room just a little bit ago listening to worship. And one of the, my favorite songs they were singing is the goodness of God is all over me. The goodness of God is all over me. Even when God says no, the goodness of God is all over me. Can I relax and trust that God has a better perspective than me? Can I relax and realize that God has a better plan than my plan? Can I relax and realize that God has a greater purpose than my purpose? Sometimes God says no. And the antidote for entitlement is gratitude. Gratitude for the reality of God's mercy, God's grace, and God's holy privilege. So if you want to know your purpose... 
It starts with understanding that God has given you the privilege of being alive on this planet and be thankful and be grateful. But also know the difference between, between pleasure and enticement. I love these words from the Westminster Short Catechism. Uh, it's a writing that took place in 1647 when, when a bunch of theologians and lay people from the Church of England and the Church of Scotland got together and began developed a statement. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Your purpose, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You see, living for your glory is way too small of a goal. Living for me, living for my glory is way too small of a goal. I need to live for the glory of God. You need to live for the glory of God. Living only for our pleasure will leave us empty and searching for more. And the point of life is to glorify God. The point of life is to bring pleasure to God, to please God, and to find pleasure in the things of God. But we live in a world that wants to find pleasure only in the things of the world. We live in a world that where we're enticed to glorify people through social media, whether it's musicians or sports figures or Hollywood or political figures, we glorify institutions like crazy in our world today. See, we're being enticed to glorify the creation instead of glorifying the creator. We, we focus on the creation instead of the creator that we're called to glorify. You see, people, we know this, right? People, institutions, and creations will let us down, will they not? They let us down every single time because they're fallible, because they're broken, because they're imperfect. Only God is holy. Only God is just. And only God is consistent. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he alone deserves to be lifted up and glorified. Now, I believe when we say, well, how can I glorify God? I believe we look at the life of Jesus. How did Jesus glorify God the Father? He, he believed him, and he trusted him with his life. You want to glorify God? Believe in him. Believe his words. Trust what he wants to do in your life. You know, Jesus glorified God the Father by trusting in his will, God's will. And he prayed, Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. You want to glorify God? Want to do God's will more than you want to do your will. And then Jesus glorified the Father by declaring the arrival of God's kingdom, that God's kingdom is here. You want to glorify God? Talk about Jesus Christ. Tell the people in the world that God is here and that God is available and God wants to have a relationship with you. See, the point of life is to find pleasure and joy in the things of God, to enjoy the things of God, to enjoy him and all he has created in the creation in our relationships, even in our work, in our service, in, in worship, in recreation. Even as, as I was preaching this morning, I got a text uh, from a family that are members here. They moved to Kentucky, the promised land, and they live there in Kentucky. Uh, and, uh, but it, they sent me a picture, and they simply said they listened to the sermon after they had been in the woods, and they said, we are so blessed and they've been out turkey hunting, right? And they sent me a picture uh, of a turkey. And turkey wasn't so blessed, but they were very blessed. But uh, um, yes, last night, um, one of our, one of our uh, young people in the church, he, uh, one of our young ladies, who's one of the best golfers in, in, in the U.S. and the world, 
she is playing in a tournament today up in North Carolina. And so last night, they did a press conference, a virtual press conference with these young ladies. There's four young ladies, the top four young ladies that are playing together in this golf tournament uh, this afternoon. And so they did an interview with them, and they asked them about all they, their life and all that. And, and they, one of the questions was, what are you going to do with your life? What, what's your goal in life? And, of course, they talked about playing college golf, and then they talked about uh, playing on the professional tour. But the young lady from our church, she, her answer was this, wherever God leads me. I'm going to be wherever God leads me. And I felt so good, and I texted uh, her mom this morning, and I said, tell Isabella to, to glorify God today and to enjoy all of God's creation. And I sent her a verse out of the Psalms that says all of creation is glorifying God. The trees, the fields, the birds are glorifying God. So while you're walking around that course today, just enjoy God. Enjoy the pleasure of being in God's creation and using the talent and the gifts that God has given you. Now, here's the great news is that as, this, it's, it's hard to please God, is it not? It's hard to live our lives in a way that pleases God because pleasure has boundaries. We don't live to please ourselves or to please others. But listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2. It's not on the screen, but you need to write this down, a great verse. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I need that verse, right? God is giving you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. And then 1 Peter says, so live the rest of your earthly life, no longer concerned about human desire, but consumed with what brings pleasure to God. I want to be consumed for whatever time I got left on the planet, I want to be consumed with what brings pleasure to God in, in, in my relationship with Lynn and our family in, in what God has called me to do in my life and in, in, in how I recreate and play. I want to do, be consumed by bringing God pleasure. You see, that's the point of life because one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to hear these words if we do it right, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, we're going to get off track and we will have moments when we're not glorifying God. We'll make some decisions where we chase the pleasure of the world. Remember the story of David in Psalm 51? David in Psalm 51 is under the conviction of the Holy Spirit because he sought pleasure in the wrong places. He sought, sought pleasure with Bathsheba, and, and he ended up having her husband murdered, and he is a lost soul, and he is feeling conviction from the Holy Spirit. His heart is broken, and he begs God for forgiveness. And what does he pray? He says, God, restore to me the joy of salvation. I want to feel your pleasure again. I, I want to please you again. I've really messed up. If you read the story of David, God's grace came upon him, and God used him again to make a difference in the world. Restore to me the joy of salvation. That can be your prayer today. And then finally this morning, as we try to discover the point of life, know the difference between purpose and and entrapment. You know, the, the key to purpose is one word. To find out your purpose is one word. Whose? Whose purpose are you living for? Whose purpose are you living for? Are you living for your purpose? Are you living for the purpose of the world? Are you living for God's purpose? 
whose purpose are you living for? You see, I believe that evil is trying to entrap us into pursuing the things of the world. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy to convince you that worldly purpose is greater than God's purpose. Remember what Jesus said, what does it profit a man, a person, to gain the whole world and lose their, lose their soul? Now hear this great statement. You were created on, a, on purpose by God for a purpose. If you're listening today, hear those words. You were created on purpose for a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. It's not a coincidence that you're here today or listening today. God has a purpose for your life. I love these two quotes from Andy Stanley. First one is, purpose is always found just across the border from what's in it for me. That's a great statement, isn't it? Purpose is always found just across the border from what's in it for me. People ask me all the time, how did Mount Horeb move from being a small little church on the corner to being the church it is today? Very simply, the church stopped asking what's in it for me and began to ask God, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to reach? It's no longer about what I want. It's what do you want? It's not just about my kids anymore. It's not just about my grandkids anymore. It's about your kids, God. It's about your grandkids. Now, my kids get blessed. My grandkids get blessed. But God wants us to think much bigger than what's in it for me, right? So if you want to know about purpose, it's on the other side of what's in it for me. But also he said, you say no to you so you can say yes to something much bigger. If you want to know purpose, you got to say no to you so you can discover something much bigger. You see, too often times we feel so pressured to please others, to keep up with others, that we don't have any time left for God's purpose. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for Christ's followers. All of us are called to honor God. All of us are called to glorify God. All of us are called to be witnesses. All of us are called to serve. I, I shared that quote earlier, and somebody said, that they heard Andy Stanley, after he gave that particular quote, say that if you've been visiting this church, his church, North Point, for, for, for two or three years and you've not yet found a place to serve, you need to go to church somewhere else because obviously you're not listening. <laughs> you know, obviously you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, we're not helping you. You see, the greatest gift this church can give you is for you to get a place to serve a place to make a difference, a place to make an impact, a place to change the world. Because one day you will stand before God and God will say, what did you do with your life? What did you do with your purpose? Did you do anything for my glory and my honor? But all of us have purposes. Some of us, or all of us have individual purposes. You know, in this room, there's incredible potential in this room, listening online, over in the auditorium. Why? Because each of you, God has given you gifts and talents that you can use to be purposeful for his kingdom, for his glory. I love this statement by Cheryl Bachelder. She is the CEO of Pier One. She's a strong Christian leader. She's involved with Campus Crusade and other ministries. She said this, the point of purpose is to determine how you will serve others. If you don't plan to serve, you don't need a purpose. That's a great statement, isn't it? If you don't plan to serve, you don't need a purpose. Just go about life as it is. But if you want to serve God 
and make a difference, he will give you a purpose. And I love this quote from John Maxwell, a great writer on leadership. He says, when you really want to make a difference, you will find an answer. And when you don't want to make a difference, you'll find an excuse. If you're not making a purpose, you can find all kinds of excuses to not make a purpose. You can find all kinds of excuses to blame God. You see, life on earth is, a, is precious. Life on earth is a privilege. Life on earth is intended to have a purpose. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it leave you unprepared for eternity. Now, one of the things that Harper Grace and I get to do together is when I pick her up a couple days during the week after gymnastics, and I shared this on Easter Sunday, is that we listen to Christian songs together. And we, we have a playlist, and she'll pick out which song that she wants to listen to, and she'll make me guess who the artist is. And one of our favorite songs is a new song by Zach Williams. And listen to the words of his song. He nails purpose. He says, I want to feed the beggar on the street. Love to be your hands and feet. Freely give what I have received. I want a friendship first above all else. Love my neighbor as myself in the moments that no one sees. Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, and a little less like me. A little more like Jesus and a little less like me, right? That'll preach, won't it? A little more of living everything I preach. A little more like Jesus and a little less like me. If you're a follower of Jesus today and you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe in God, the point of your life is to point people to Jesus. That is the point of your life, is to point people to Jesus. Not to point them away from Jesus. We've got enough people doing that. Your point is to point people to Jesus. And I love what Jesus said in John 12. And when I am lifted up from the earth, when you point people toward me, I will draw everyone to myself. What does this broken world right now need? It needs for you and I to point people toward Jesus Christ, of his love, of his mercy, and his grace. That retired missionary couple finally found a cheap apartment on the east side of New York, trying to find some way to earn a living. But one night, the man's spirit broke. He said, I can't take this. God is treating us unfairly. What's the point of our life? And his wife replied, why don't you go into the bedroom and you and God have it out? A short time later, he came out of the bedroom, but his face was now different. His wife said, what, what happened? What did God say? And the old missionary said, the Lord settled it. I told him how bitter I was that the president should receive such a tremendous homecoming, that there was no one there to greet us. And when I finished, it seemed as if the Lord himself put his hand on my shoulder and said these words, son, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. You see, this world is not our home. And God has called us to something bigger and greater than this world. Again, Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. 
See, my friends, we've got to have a conversation with a divine designer. We've got to have a conversation with the God of creation. We've got to be able to hear the voice of God speak. Voice of God speak through scripture, through sermons, through devotions, through worship. Last week, Grace Marie and Brett introduced an incredible song in the contemporary service. It just fit for this sermon. So they're going to come and share with us how to pay attention and allow the voice of God to move in your life. May God speak to you through this worship. I can hear it in the crackle of a bonfire. And I can hear it in the middle of the ocean water. Oh, just can't explain it. But it makes me want to cry. I can hear when the rain falls on my window sill On a playground where children's laughter lives Oh, I can't explain it But it makes me want to cry And I can hear it in the busy New York City streets I can hear it in the country, Georgia fields of green. Oh, I can't explain it, no, but it makes me want to cry. It sounds like grandmama telling you where you come from. Said it's kind of like laughter out of the mouths of your loved ones. Or catching up with an old friend. Reminiscing on back when It's like a summertime sprinkler Street side with my ice cream cone Said it sounds like a choir Singing hymns, hallelujah It's the voice of God Yeah, it can make a grown man cry And I can hear it on the wind of an early morning when the fog is getting thick and the birds are chirping Oh, it's just something I can't explain No, but it makes me want to cry I can hear it in the hush of a midnight hour When I'm alone in my room if I'm going under Oh, I just can't explain it No, but it brings me back to life like the sound of a newborn baby crying yeah. It's like the final breath of a loved one passing Oh, it's a beautiful thing Yeah, cause it leads me to the light It's like a drive through movie Small town with a big screen Like grilling out in the front yard Sometimes it's the simple things like storytelling with my grandpa He was so easy to believe Like when the sun goes up there Sometimes it's better when the sun comes down Cause there's just something about the moonlight And it can make you feel alright Oh, it's the voice of God And it can make a grown man cry Yes, it can, yes, it can it's the voice of God It can make a 
God's people said, amen. Let me invite you to stand. Somebody stopped me in the hall today who heard this song online before they got here. And they said they heard it last week and they were listening to it and they were crying. And their little daughter, her little daughter came to her and said, Mommy, God's speaking to you. And didn't you know what the song was about, right? God is speaking to you today. He has a purpose for your life. There's a point to all of this, and it's to point people to Jesus. Father God, thank you for this time together. I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice speaking, that we would open up your book, the Word of God, that we would hear you speaking, whether it's through a song, through Scripture, through a sermon, through the beauty of creation through a friend, through a mentor. God, speak to us and help us to go and make this world a better place. Help us to go and help others who've never heard the voice of God to discover God's love and God's purpose. I send you forth in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.